Welcome to The Backpack, a podcast from Christ Community Church in Shelbyville, Kentucky. On The Backpack, we want to prepare you for the journey outside where following Jesus meets real life. Hey, welcome to The Backpack. My name is DJ. I'm one of your hosts, and thanks for joining me back at the canteen, one of our regular segments where we feature sermons from the preaching ministry here at Christ Community Church. This week, we're continuing onward in our study of the Gospel of Luke, looking at the end of Luke chapter 2 as Jesus, the young Jesus, is left at the temple by his parents. Kenny Mattingly opens up the text and invites us to take a hard look at the assumptions we make about the presence plans, and person of Jesus Christ. So let's listen in to Kenny as he brings us this week's message. And so with this morning, uh, we're in a a series out of the book of Luke, and we've just been, um, we've we've seen Mary, okay, and and how her interaction with God first takes place of, hey, by the way, you're going to bring my son into the world, okay, Uh, and, and we we now get to see a glimpse of who Jesus is as a teenager. Okay, this is, it's awesome, uh, but a few disclaimers. Parents, as you hear how Jesus talks to, you know, his parents, don't nudge your kids, okay? And kids, don't be like, did you hear how Jesus talked to his parents? I'm going to lay the smack down when I get home, because listen, I can't stop your parents from grounding you. Like, it's, it's a real thing. But this morning, I wanted to ask you a question to get us started. And, and to be honest, if you don't have a way of taking notes, the reason why I want to urge you to uh, be a little bit more diligent in taking notes this morning uh, is because there's a lot of questions that will be asked today. And you might not have the answer this morning. Okay, You might not have the answer right off the bat. You might, but I'm also going to push you towards meditation or wrestling with what the Holy Spirit brings to uh, the surface of your heart this morning. So if you need a bulletin, uh, I'm sure we can find you one. Or, hey, I don't care if you're on your phone. Um, just don't get distracted. I don't know. Put it on airplane mode, something like that. But the first question is this. And this is not one. I'll tell you when you really want to start writing them down. But the first question is this. <laughs> Do you know what happens when you assume? Yeah, let me, let me make sure that we know it's a rhetorical question because I know some of us in the crowd are like, I know what happens when you assume, Kenny, and you're putting it together and you're saying inappropriate things. Not the place, okay? But I wrestled with that all week, okay? But let's look at the definition before we move forward. Assume, all right? To assume something, it's, it's coming. There we go. Assume something is to suppose to be the case without proof or take or begin to have power or responsibility. So when you assume something, you're operating that you already have the truth. Now, in some cases, you might have the truth, but you don't even know why, like what it is, right? You grasp it. I, I always parallel it with the internet. Uh, I, I've Googled a lot this week things, okay? Uh, and so I, w- I want to clear up an assumption that I had about ducks. You guys Ready? And some of you, if you're a veterinarian, don't answer this, okay? I was flabbergasted. So ducks, I was like, they just stay warm all the time because of feathers, right? You know, we get down coats and we, we're warm. It's, it's logical. But the reality is this. Someone assumed at some point and asked the question on Google, and they said, how do ducks stay warm during the winter? Or how do they not freeze when they're on the water, right? This is why. Kenny's assumption was wrong. But ducks don't freeze in the water because of a counter-current blood exchange that that takes place. 
Okay, these birds have a countercurrent heat exchange system between their arteries and their veins and their legs. And so as the, the blood starts to flow down, it passes the other warm blood that's moving from their heart back down to their feet. So they're just these little like warm engines all the time. It's, it's crazy. And here it was, I, I was assuming that ducks just stayed warm because of feathers, because we stay warm because of their feathers. I was quite, quite wrong. So here's some other assumptions or truths, okay? And so I want you to play along. I was going to say, if you think it's true, run to the left side of the room. And if you think it's false, run to the right. But half of you guys wouldn't participate, and we're not, we're not at edge. So raise your hand. Yeah, I, well, yeah, listen, you two, if you want to run back and forth, go for it. If you think this is true, I want you to raise your hand. Bagpipes are Scottish. If you think this is true, got some, got some hands up. Sorry, Braveheart fans, they were prevalent in the Middle East centuries before Western Europe. Okay, the next question. If you've ever heard, don't eat and swim, because it gives you cramps, right? Anybody? That's an assumption or truth? You think it's truth? Listen, parents, I'm sorry if I'm like unraveling how you, you get your kids to do stuff. This doesn't increase the risk of cramps. Alcoholic beverages, they do. But... A full stomach will make you short of breath. So there you go. We just made some stuff up because we felt like maybe it was half truth. Salty water boils quick, more, more quickly. Yeah? You think salty water? No questions. No questions. Adding a sprinkle of salt makes no difference. It actually can make the, the boiling process take longer. Okay? Uh, oil stops stuck pasta. So all you... you cookers in the room when you're cooking pasta and you drop some oil in there so that the pasta doesn't stick? Do you think that's a true thing? Okay, so we got some non-chefs out here and some regular chefs. So this is actually not true either, and it just makes it more greasy. Um, stirring the pot makes it not stick, okay? I'm, like, if you're Martha Stewart out here and you want to fight me in the parking lot, I'm sorry. It's the internet, not me. Um, here's a good one. The Great Wall of China is visible from space. If you think that's true, Think this is true? This was also an assumption. It's not visible from space. No single human structure is visible from orbit, but you can see city lights. So the, the, the thing with this, right? If you're in low orbit, you can't even really see it unless you have a powerful mag, uh, magn magnifying glass? Telescope. That's what those are called. Yeah, I assumed. You got big pockets. I don't know. Uh, only 10% of the brain is used. I've heard this before. I found it to be true. Only 10% of your brain is true. Not for me. Don't laugh. Okay. <laughs> the portion of the brain firing at any one time is, is a task-dependent thing. But ultimately, every region of your brain is, is functioning almost all day long. Okay. So the whole 10% thing, it's not real. Just throw it out the window. Uh, that there were three wise men. Did you ever have that assumption? Blake cleared that up. But nowhere in the Bible does it specify that there were three. And then lastly, uh, left and right brain, that you believe that, that you only function in those manners in different capacities, right? There's no solid division between the talents of each hemisphere. The left brain can learn right brain skills and vice versa. Did you know that? I didn't. I just assumed that I was wrong and my wife was right, and there we go. Now, well, she, I don't know if she's in here, so I might be safe. 
we're good for now. No one repeat that. <laughs> See, here's the thing, though. When we assume, we operate as if we have the truth. So our life operates sometimes off of assumptions. And that's a dangerous thing. But, but really, what, what does it show about us? Well, we remain in control, right? It's easy to assume because, well, then I'm right, no matter what. Our plans can't be messed up if I just don't ask. I can leave someone out of a hangout with friends because I assumed they would be busy, but in reality, I just didn't want them around. I assumed no one would miss, I don't know, fill in the blank, at work, so I just took it home. I assumed my wife would take care of the kitchen after dinner because, really, I don't want to have to clean up the mess. I might be speaking from this week, I don't know. I assumed someone else would help with fill in the blank, but really, I just didn't feel like it. I assumed things would get better at home with my spouse, but unfortunately, they haven't started serving me or loving me in the way that I want them to. And I assumed my grade would go up after my exam, so I just didn't do my homework. There's a lot of assumptions in life, but what happens when we start making those assumptions in our faith? We assume things will get better if I just cut out that certain sin in my life. Or that God loves me, He doesn't care how I live. I'm good if I'm here every Sunday. Or that it's okay to miss because, well, we don't want to be too legalistic. We assume the biblical community is optional. We don't need that in our relationship with Christ. We assume if we get our kids here that it's enough. And Krista and Kenny will have them being fast friends with Jesus in no time. Or we assume that the next generation will find Jesus even though we don't prioritize our lives around him. But we'll get it together when things slow down. We'll get it together when the sports season stops. I, I've, I'll finally meet the one and then I'll prioritize Jesus. Or, or I'll get the raise for, work, for working harder and, and then I can really concentrate on my relationship with Christ. All the while assuming God's raining down blessings on our plans during the week because you liked one of those posts that said, if you don't like this post, you're going to go to hell. And you didn't want to assume, so you liked it, right? We assume that if we just pray the right way, God's going to come around. Or we assume God knows everything, so what's the point of praying anyway? We assume that we don't have enough time for more of His Word. Or to add another thing to the schedule this week to be at. Or every time the doors of the church open, I'm here. But not once this week has the gospel been on your lips. See, when we assume the presence and the plan and person of Christ, we're saying, follow me. And what does that look like? Well, I want to read our text together. If you want to stand with me as we read this text together, and then we're going to dive in and look at where these things take place as we read about Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Quickly, I'll give you the understanding that they are uh, coming back into town, if you will, to celebrate the Passover. There were three big festivals that the Jews would celebrate, and the Passover was the one that they tried to make sure they were at. 
You grasping that? It was really hard, but they were like, hey, we're going to make it happen. So, Luke chapter 2, verse 39, starting and in verse 52, if you'd like to follow along with me. This is what it says. When they had completed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The boy grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom, and God's grace was on him. Every year his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. After those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know it. Important word here. Assuming he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his presence. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Verse 49, Why were you searching for me? He asked them. Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. Father, as we dive into your word this morning, let your will be preached. Let your words be preached. Spirit, you are the great convictor. You draw out of us truths that we have believed as we confess faith in Jesus, and yet our following doesn't look like that. And so I, I pray, Father, that this morning, as we look at the life of Jesus and we look at the patterns found in his living and, and who he was, that, that we begin to allow you to soften our hearts, to take a look at our lives and see j just how we can take a, a next step following closer and closer to Jesus this week. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. So if you're a worried parent, let's just go ahead and clear the air, right? Mary and Joseph lost Jesus for three days. Okay, so if you're a parent in the room, take all that weight off your shoulder. You're doing all right. But we see the impact that assuming has right off the bat. And so here's one of the first questions as we start to navigate through the text that I want you to write down. Because again, I, I, can't, I can't look at your individual life and answer this question for you. But the first question is this. Where are you assuming the presence, the plan, or the purpose of Jesus? Where are you telling him to follow you? Okay, that's the first question I want you to begin wrestling with as we look at how Mary and Joseph did those three things. So the first one, right, is when we assume the presence of Jesus, we think that he just goes where we go and lives how we live. Let's take a look at Luke 2, 44 through 45. It's up on the screen. Assuming he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. 
Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. Mary and Joseph were going with the flow. Now understand the context here. It's busy. They, they went and did the things that they were supposed to do, and they're just going back to the other things that were taking their time, that called their attention. That, to be quite honest, right, some of these things are important, right? We got to, I don't know if they had farms, but like they, were, they had a farm to work. Or Joseph, he's a carpenter. He's got the shop. He's got six projects lined up. And Jesus, hey, you got to come back and help me with these. So we're going to go, and then we're going to return right back to the busyness. So they just assumed that Jesus was there. They assumed he was in the traveling party. They assumed he was going in the same direction. They assumed that he had the same plans. Which is the second part. The same plans of Jesus. We get to see Mary, right? They, they, they're lost. They're scared. They're like, all these things are going through their head. Have you ever lost your kid? I, like, I've lost Lainey in our own house, and it's scary, okay? Like, I, how does that happen? I don't know. She goes to play hide and go seek and doesn't tell us. Okay, she assumes we're playing that game. But we, when we assume the plans of Jesus, we tend to allow our schedules, our motives, and our desires to dictate how Christ calls us to live as his followers. Let's take a look. Verse 39 says this. When they had completed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. Right? When they got their, their checkbox done... They just went back to life. They went back to what they were doing. They, hey, I did my, my regular scheduled thing. Now I'm going back to, to my life. Verse 41. Every year his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. Right? All this built on tradition. We've done this. We're just going to go. We're going to make sure we're doing the right things. And in the tradition, their plans weren't really matching up with Jesus' plans. Verse 43, after those days were over and they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents didn't know it. We see a clash of the plans that Jesus has and his parents have. Now, let's pause for a second. Kids in the room. The baby got quiet. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to scare you. I'm just kidding. Kids in the room. We do have to understand that Jesus was God in the flesh. So you can't be like, hey parents, I got places to be. Drive me there. Do what I say. You're not Jesus. And how Jesus answers is very godly. Okay, we keep that in mind. So his plans and his parents' plans aren't lining up. Luke 2, 46. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. This whole time, right? Mary and Joseph, we got a plan. We're going, we're going to worship, and we're leaving. We've checked the boxes. We've done all the things we're supposed to. And Jesus, Jesus had different plans. Jesus had different plans for attending the Passover. It wasn't just to show up and check the boxes and leave. He was sitting and soaking up and listening to the things about his father. Which brings us to the third point. When we assume the person of Jesus, we either forget 
that he was God incarnate and resolved to him, maybe perhaps a super nice, awesome, friendly, loving human who struggled in all the ways we do, removing the truth of the gospel of Christ, that he was a perfect sacrifice, the one and only son of God. That's one assumption that we have if we look at Christ as just a human. But on the other side of that, we solely look at him as God, this relationally unattainable, perfect being, causing us to feel a distance from him, leaving the very gap that he wishes to close between you and him through his son, Jesus Christ. Verse 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. Let's pause on this word real quick. The Pharisees or the teachers, they were astounded, right? They're blown away as they were sitting in the presence of Jesus. Did they know that there was a son of God? No, but like something was different. This 12-year-old boy was saying things that no one else knew in the room. But his parents walk in and they're astonished. That word is more closely, if you look like frustrated, right? Because of her answer, right? She's like, Jesus, do you know what you've done to me? Do you know how much anxiety I've had? I've been looking everywhere for you. Do you know I got to get home? There's laundry. You know how many brothers and sisters you have? I'm so busy. I got plans. She wasn't there for the plans of Jesus. She was there for her plans. right? According to the customs and traditions of the law, let's get it done and let's go home. She says, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. But Jesus' answer, so important. Why were you searching for me? Why, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? If you catch this, it's probably a really awkward family moment. She's like, your father and I were looking for you. Joseph back there like, yeah, we are. We were. And she's like, oh, is this going to sink in? Like, is this happening? And Jesus is like, hey, you don't know who my father is then. Like, have you forgotten the, the plans that God had for your life? Have you forgotten the presence in which he, he gave the one and only Son of God to you to bring into this world? Do you not know who I am? Now, it's probably not with that tone, but it's super important to understand that this is one of the first moments in Scripture that we see Jesus claim that he is the Son of God. He knows who he is. He knows the plans in which he came to this earth for. And he knows what he must do to accomplish those things. Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, has a maternal moment and just forgets who she's speaking to. But had it been so long that the angels had visited or Simeon had prophesied or Anna had testified that she forgot who Jesus was? Had it been so long? Right, it isn't until out of the mouth of Christ that the plans, presence, and person of Jesus points Mary back to the truth. Why are you searching for me, he says. Didn't you know that I was to be in my father's house? See, Mary finds herself more aware of the truth 
once more because of the presence, the plan, and the person of Jesus Christ. Verse 50. But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. So a very familiar text. Last week, Blake preached on it. Familiar with Luke 2, 19. Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Right, so when the shepherds show up and they're like, hey, we just saw these angels out in the field and they said, go find this baby. And like, there's light, like here you are and I don't even know. Like, this is crazy. And she's hearing these things, treasuring them, meditating on them to see that the Lord's words are true to her. That because of the presence and the plans and the person of Jesus Christ, she was able to be reminded, made more aware of truth. Mary's reminded through the presence of the Son that the Father is working. It is in seeking Christ she finds peace. You know, they're scattered. Like they're, they're, they've lost their son. Where is he at? I don't know where he's at. We're, we're anxious. We're scared. The world's big. We're just these country folk. Out, out of the middle of nowhere that we've come into town just to do our thing and, and go home. It is in seeking Christ that we may see the Father working. It is in seeking Christ that we may find peace. It is in seeking His presence that you and I can find rest. It's in seeking His plans that you and I can find direction. And it's in seeking His person that we find the Father. Now, if you're sitting in your seats and you're like, yeah, well, I mean, I get it, but I, I don't feel like I'm distant. I don't feel like, you know, I, I, I follow God's plan pretty, pretty well. I, I get who Jesus is. This was a, a, a hard question for me to ask. But if Mary, the mother of Jesus, can assume his presence, his plans, and his person... How much more can you? I mean, Jesus was in her presence and she forgot. So how much more can you and I forget the plans, the presence, and the person of Jesus? Well, this is where we start to get some of those questions that I said that we would uh, wrestle with. Uh, because this is a, the part of the sermon, like, we're moving into more of an application for us. Like, what does it look like for me to hear these things? Maybe to, to even wrestle as I'm hearing these things and the Holy Spirit's cultivating me, like, hey, this is where you haven't been present. This is where you haven't been following me. What do we do with those things? I, I, you don't know who, who God is? There's a place to start. He, he's inviting us to know, to know him more fully. So what do we do with that? We start asking questions, and as Mary did, we meditate on them. So, instead of assuming Christ's presence, plan, and person, what would it look like for you to become more aware? How do you cultivate that in your life? See, we, we see that Mary becomes more aware by seeing where Jesus is, what he's doing, and who he says he is. Luke 2, 50 and 51. But they did not understand what he had said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. 
This wasn't a like, oh, Jesus, that's so sweet. This is a core memory now, and I'll remember it until I'm 70 years old and you got your own kids, right? Like, this is not one of those moments. Mary meditates on these things, on these truths. She, she dwells on them. She wrestled with her own thoughts and became more aware. This wasn't like a, you know, I, I just think a minute or a moment. You see this many times in her life where she continues to cherish these things in her heart, to remember, to be reminded, and to wrestle with. She thought she knew it all. And in a span of three days, God challenged that. So let's practice together. We ask this question, where are you assuming the presence, plan, or purpose of Jesus, right? And as, as you've seen it play out in the, the parent's life of Jesus, how does it play out in your own life? Where are you telling Jesus to follow you? For some in the room, you've perhaps assumed his presence, that your schedule is your own. Jesus doesn't require that of me. Kenny, I, I believe, isn't that enough? Of course it is. But, like Mary and Joseph, the busy world will grab your attention in every way possible if you aren't cultivating a constant reminder in your daily life, it becomes far too easy for faith to become an afterthought. To perceive that the presence of Jesus is with me. For others in the room, maybe you've been assuming the plans of Jesus. Participation isn't necessary. Yet Christ commands all his followers from Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is where I get to like take a little side, like side note, side sermon but quickly addressing maybe some of the tensions. But the reality is this. Parents, we teach our kids with what we prioritize and how we prioritize it. Mary and Joseph, they were doing the things that they were supposed to do. God commanded it in Exodus, and they were still doing it. We're, we're going to the festival. We're doing our thing. What's wrong with that? When his plans, his person, and his presence isn't taught or observed, there's a danger in the next generation not knowing who God is. Others in the church. Jesus says, till the end of the age. And this age ain't over. And neither is the work that you're called to do. Not because you're single. Not because you don't have kids. Not because your kids have graduated or you have successfully, oh, I successfully said successfully. You've discipled them and they're out on the world doing their thing. And not because your retirement plan is finally set in motion. Right? His plans are the same and you have work to do. Lastly, if you have found yourself assuming about the person of Jesus and instead of being amazed by who he is, what he has done, and what he continues to do, you found yourself numb to the truth of Jesus Christ. 
You've forgotten the peace found in knowing and trusting Him and have become burdened by sin and shame or overwhelmed by worry, fear, anxiety about how things will turn out with the government, with your job, with relationships, with your kids. When you found yourself assuming about Jesus in one of these ways, all of these ways, what do we do? Well, we follow the example of Mary. We ask two questions to get us started. Here's two important questions to write down. Again, this is not where I can seek into your life and say, hey, uh, this is where you're failing, or these are the great things I see, keep doing them. You have to meditate on these things. You have to maybe even perhaps be surrounded by other people who are speaking into your life saying, hey, here's where I see you failing. Here's where I see you flourishing. First question, what deepens my awareness of Christ's presence, plan, or person? What deepens my awareness of Christ's presence, plan, or person? Maybe you're thinking about these things. And they're already coming up. Like, I love when I'm, I'm around other believers. I love when I'm serving. I, I love when I'm in his word on a regular basis. The other question is, what distracts my awareness of Christ's presence, plan, or person? And this is the hard part. Okay, guys? Like, th this is the hard part. We live in a society where it's like, I want to ask these questions, and I'm going to have my answers, and I'm ready to go, and then Monday, me and Jesus, we tied again. For three days, do you, do you think Mary is just walking around, like thinking, like, oh, I guess I'll find him. No, like the text tells us she was frantic. And she's probably started asking her, how could I do better? Why, I mean, he, he just walked off. He didn't even come with us. Have I not taught him well? The, the panic and the questions that start arising when we ask difficult questions like this, we're not supposed to run away from them. But we're supposed to go head first. There's a cool analogy um, between uh, bison or buffalo and uh, cows. They have this, I don't know what it is, and someone can tell me what it is one day, but they have this like sixth sense about big storms coming. Right? You know, so for us, like we, we maybe not, if you're old, you feel it in your knees or something. I don't know. But if, you're, if you, you look off in the distance, you see this big rain cloud coming, and maybe even the rain's already fallen, you know a storm's coming. They just know it. Cows like to run away from the storm. They're like, oh, shoot, man, it's coming. We got to go. And they like, I don't know if that's how cows talk, but that's how we're going. And they're just, they're, they're heading in a different direction, but the storm's still coming, right? The uncomfortable conversation's still coming, but they're like, no, 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 let's just keep going. And then they're in the storm longer, Buffalo, on the other hand, they're like, whoa, you see that storm? Yeah, let's go. And they just, <laughs> Buffalo just talked that way. <laughs> but they just went. They go towards the storm, and by the time the storm has passed over them, they've been in it less time than the cows are. It is uncomfortable to wrestle through questions that show us about our, our perception of who Jesus is. It is uncomfortable. Our faith has not called us to be comfortable but uncomfortable, always asking questions so that we may grow in Christ. Now, out in the world, it's going to tell you different. And you, you, like these questions, you're like, oh, well, like uh, the world tells me I just need to do these three things and my life will be better. 
but there's still something missing. So wrestle with these two questions this week. Wrestle with these two questions on a regular basis. So this isn't just a practice for the week. This is something that you can routinely do in your faith. Because Mary and Joseph, who lived in the same house as Jesus, who were visited by angels, who were visited by shepherds, who were told by prophets that this son of God is going to be born to you and you're going to raise him and he's going to change the world. Forgot who Jesus was. So you have to continually ask these questions. Now, as I was, uh, I was brainstorming um, with Daniel Bright this week, you know, there's, there's the, the confirmation of like, oh, hey, this is where I grow really well and I flourish and I'm aware of God's presence in my life or his plans or who he is. And that's great, okay? Like if you sat here and you got that filled out and you're like, ha, that was easy, Kenny. This is clear. That's great. But here's two hard questions to continue digging deeper. If I know what helps me to pay attention to God, how often do I actually seek to engage those activities or practices? And if I recognize what hinders my awareness of God, what can I do to reduce or remove those hindrances? We can talk all Sunday morning about the things that get in our way, uh, the things that draw us away from the presence of Christ or the understanding or the truth of who Jesus Christ is. But until we take next steps, until we do what what Mary did and go, oh, I need to think about this again. I need to, to allow God to reorient my faith so that I see him more clearly in my life. Not just because I have a better relationship with him, but then I'm gonna follow him better. So you ask those two questions because confirmation comes through doing. We can write all these things down, but until you start to do them, you can assume. And you can stay right where you're at, or you can allow God to call you closer. Because here's the truth. Christ's presence, his purpose, and his plan always point us to the truth. But don't, don't miss that. Christ's purpose, his presence, and his plan always points us to the truth. The world is going to tell you what a good life looks like, but God's plan is different. Just like Blake said last week, there's so many versions of Jesus, right? Does Jesus care about social justice? Absolutely, but that is not why he came. But the world's going to tell you, like, hey, like that part of Jesus, but leave everything else out. We can't pretend that we won't be influenced by the outside world. So we need constant reminders to cultivate our awareness of Christ. See, Christ community, imagine with me for a moment, if we, the body, started asking these questions together on a regular basis. If we chose to allow the Lord to regularly challenge our assumptions, our lukewarm faith would be scarce. If we constantly bring our assumptions to the Lord about our lives, our missions, our vision, we become a church where God uses us in a way that impacts our community for the gospel. If we constantly allow the Lord to define his presence, his plans, and his person, we become and remain a place 
of truth and where truth can be found. People of all ages, all stripes of life, coming to know the truth, giving their lives to Christ. Church, we, we would celebrate baptisms with a whole new outlook and understanding that when someone enters those waters, they are crossing over from death to life. So how do we respond? There's two ways that we typically respond on Sunday mornings here at Christ Community. Uh, the band's going to come back up and lead us in, in continued worship. And during worship, we, we do this thing called communion. And communion is a reminder of Jesus' plans, of Jesus' person, and of Jesus' presence with us now. So before you, you get in line to go to communion, maybe dwell on those questions. Maybe allow yourself to be softened and see what the Lord says before you go take communion. For others, maybe you just don't know who God is. You don't know His plan. You didn't know about Jesus in the presence of the God of the universe who wanted a relationship with you so badly, He sent His one and only Son to die on the cross for your sins and then to restore you back into a presence with him. Blake and Katie, uh, Kenny, Kenny will be in the back. Blake's, Blake's leading us in communion and his wife as well. And, and it's just this constant reminder that, that when, when we go, we're submitting to the Lord's plans, his presence, and his person. And so maybe you need to, to talk with us this morning. Maybe you just, you're carrying around sin. I, I, you don't know what to do with it. Well, I'd start wrestling with those questions, but we're back there to walk with you. I want you to ask those questions as we stand, as we prepare ourselves to worship together again. Meditate on those. If, if uh, Jordan, if you can throw up those, those first two difficult questions and have those on the screen, maybe before you move, you just read those and you allow the Spirit to start moving, start working in your heart. Father, as we... As we break our plans this week and arrive here on a Sunday morning, maybe after a, a long week, a busy week, a tough week, may we see that your plans are greater. Father, maybe this week we have just seen you as a, a task. We've seen you as this unreachable person, but as long as I feel like I'm doing somewhat good, I guess I'm all right. But you've invited us not to assume about our faith, but to have an assurance of the truth of Jesus Christ. As we stand and sing, Father, I pray for your spirit to move. I pray for your spirit to speak in ways that, that I've, I've failed so that we may dwell on who you are on what plans you have for our life and how you want us to carry those out. It's in your sons that we pray. Amen. 
Hey, DJ again. Thanks for joining us at the canteen and listening to this week's message. Uh, We hope it was helpful to you and that you're encouraged and challenged as we set out this week to walk the walk of faith together, joining Jesus in going outside. Uh, if you're a part of Christ's community, hey, let's let's lean into this. Let's not let this just be an academic exercise, but let's apply what we've heard today. How can you be applying this truth in your life this week? If you're not part of the Christ community family, we're glad that you joined us, glad that you found us, and we hope that, uh, that this message was helpful to you as well. One encouragement we would give you, if you're not part of a local church, uh, please don't use these resources as a substitute for that. It is a pale imitation of the real thing as we live in community with one another. So if you're in the Shelbyville area, we'd love to have you come out and join us. But wherever you are, find a local church, get plugged in an experienced Christian community as it was meant to be, and continue to use these resources to supplement that journey. But please don't replace it. Thanks for joining us this week. Grab your backpack, and I will see you on the trail. Thanks for listening to The Backpack, a production of Christ Community Church. The Backpack is hosted by DJ Williams, Daniel Bright, and Josiah Ward. You can learn more about Christ Community Church at loveshelbyville.com.